When it's time to find a more consultative and mindful approach to IT solutions, it's time to turn to the experts at Pinnacle. This is On Air with Pinnacle, your go-to resource for custom technology solutions with the attention you deserve. Welcome, and thanks for joining us as we take the On Air Pinnacle podcast live today to discuss the importance of IT security as a service. In light of the massive security breaches happening across our nation, we will be covering what's trending in cybercrime and ways to protect your company from IT security breaches. I'm Brandy Seymour, Senior Director of IT Technical Services here at Pinnacle Business Systems. And with me is Rob Greggs, Senior Systems Engineer from Arctic Wolf. Thanks for joining me today, Rob. Hey, my pleasure, Brandy. Glad to be here. So let's first talk about the current state of cybercrime. For instance, I can share that Last year, there were roughly 500,000 cyber crimes reported, which works out to be um, a successful attack probably every second. And this doesn't even account for attempted attacks or those that went unreported. And so we know about 86% of surveyed organizations were affected by a successful cyber attack. And in the US, uh, ransomware attacks cost an estimated $915 million. Uh, with the average downtime due to a ransomware attack being 21 days. And currently, global cybercrime damages are predicted to cost up to $10.5 trillion annually by 2025. It, it is not a joke. This stuff is real. And all you have to do is open the newspaper, if you even read a paper anymore, watch the news, see what's scrolling across your favorite website in the news to realize this is very real. You know, in the latest Forrester report on cybercrime and cyber threats and security, uh, they say that almost 59% of organizations will be breached in the next 12 months. This is, well, it's an appalling statistic when we talk about cybersecurity effectiveness. It's an alarming statistic if you're a security leader. You know, the whole idea behind cybersecurity compromises and what's happening, what we see playing out today started so, so long ago. We think about the history of warfare. When you think about doing harm to someone else, uh, doing harm to uh, whether it be a, a war, a battle, an individual conflict, whatever the case may be, warfare started as hand to hand with archery or, you know, the ability to shoot an arrow, it was all about, you know, I am going from a knife in my hand to, I want to stab that guy over there, right? And I don't want to stand next to him while I do it. I want to be able to hit him from way over here. Well, that's exactly what cyber warfare is just an iteration of. We've gone from, uh, we want to stab that guy over there to, we want to do harm to you know, cyber criminals want to do harm to another organization or another institution or maybe even a nation or an, an economy, right? The In the e-economy where everything is connected, uh, we rely on networks, we rely on the World Wide Web, the internet, uh, software as a service, all of these things uh, to do our business, to, to run our organization, to produce our product or deliver our service, the threats are real. Network connectivity uh, makes it easy to do harm uh, a long way away, right? Historically, cyber threats have been kind of categorized or relegated to uh, you know, the, the server team or the IT guys that are in the basement. 
the reality is things are changing. It's now bubbling up, not just to, you know, hey, the, the IT team that's downstairs, they'll handle that. We're beginning to see it change so that the business understands this is no longer just a cyber risk. This is a business risk. And that's that's the dramatic difference here. The, the board members are reading uh, in the news with their morning coffee about some organization that got hacked or where cybercrime was successful. And they are asking questions of the CEO. And the CEO is then asking questions of their IT leadership. They understand this is not just about the servers in the basement and how fast our internet is or a slowdown for half a day. This is a real risk to our business. And statistics absolutely bear that out. We need to be having solid conversations. Uh, if, if you're in IT leadership, like I was, I did that for 20 years, you need to be having solid conversations with your CEO, with business leaders and other departments, build that quorum, build, build that support system to go to leadership and say, hey, the threats are changed. If they're not coming to you already, you need to be going to them. Having those conversations say, we need 24 seven SOC or even better yet, some sort of service that on day one delivers outcomes, real security outcomes that help us secure our business and deliver better security for producing what our business has been tasked to produce. You know, the attack surface is only getting broader. Um, you begin to think about internet of things. What impact does that have on increasing our attack surface or uh, exposing new, new threats, vulnerabilities? The, what I like to tell people is uh, the S in internet of things or the S in IOT stands for security. Where's the S? Well, there isn't an S in IoT, right? So we have to think about how are we going to secure uh, this Internet of Things and some of the new attack surfaces we're seeing. The reality is you may not think that IoT is a thing in your organization, or you may think that oh, our facilities, that they're just running the heat and air system, or they make sure the janitorial work is done. I bet if you went down to the facilities department and asked about temperature sensing and building automation, they're probably using the Wi-Fi network, the corporate Wi-Fi network to perform certain tasks or automation services. So IoT is real. It's, uh, it's in the shop near you, whether you realize it or not. The attack surface is broad. The need for 24-7 security has never been greater. And the, the threats, honestly, have never been more real because the network connects all of us and all of our businesses to everyone. That is so true and such an, such an interesting but factual way to look at it. Um, based on that, let's talk about probably some of the most critical types of cyber threats um, at the moment. For instance, advanced persistent threats known as APTs, um, malware and ransomware. Can you tell us a little bit about each of these and why they are threats to companies? Yeah, absolutely. So advanced persistent threats, these are threat actors, cyber uh, crime organizations, or even in some cases, nation states or units from a nation state being mobilized to persistently attack or go after an organization, the vulnerabilities that might exist uh, within an organization to establish a, a, a beachhead, a location from which to uh, carry out further attacks. These are advanced threats 
And the persistent there means how can they establish themselves in such a way that then allows them to move laterally through the network? You know, industry-wide, the average mean time to detect or the time amount of time it takes before someone realizes, oh, there's an advanced persistent threat. We may not use those words, but the reality is there is something threatening in my network. The amount of time it takes on average, 206 days. Think about that with me, 206 days where someone has established a presence in a server in the corner of your data center before you even realize that they are there. Uh, it's, it's a truly, it's a persistent thing and it is very advanced in its operations, launching scripts, creating new identities. Uh, the identity access management system has been backdoored. We're now accessing data and just watching what is normal for this organization and how can I disappear inside the normal to stay persistent and carry out the bad thing? That, that's an APT. Malware is uh, typically introduced by a user thinking they want a you know, new screen background on their computer or they want the, the, the latest little application that sits in their system tray to you know, make their day a little bit brighter as they sit and issue accounts payable warrants or checks for something. I mean, they're, they're, the user is typically just looking for something to add flavor to their life, right? But they inadvertently are downloading something that creates a hole that allows bad guys in or allows them to do the bad thing. Ransomware is just a next level to this. Uh, ransomware can be kicked off as just introduced by malware. It could also be natively just a ransomware component. Ransomware uh, could be introduced by an advanced persistent threat. But the whole idea behind ransomware is we're in, in your system. We've established ourselves. Now, very quickly, let's either gather intelligence about the data or the data itself and then encrypt all of that data and hold it for ransom so that you're unable to do business until you pay for that data to be unlocked or released. All of these are real threats. They're each a little bit different in the way that you can detect and prevent and uh, go after the attack surface with them. But one common thread uh, with both malware and ransomware, which is what we see so often, is really it, it comes from most often email compromise or someone clicking something they shouldn't. Uh, it, it really focuses on the human as the entry point, an employee as the person that has to do the thing that allows the bad guys in. That's, that's interesting. And I wanna go back to the advanced persistent threat for just a second. You know, as you were kind of going through and explaining that, it really, it really makes me think of, there's not a lot of difference, except that one's virtual and one's, one's not. Uh, there's not a lot of difference. Imagine having somebody living in your attic and you don't know about it, right? It's the same concept and it's very scary. Um, so how does that propose a threat though to a company when you say they're watching the business process flow, et cetera? How is that a threat to a company? Why should that be taken seriously? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll just tell you a story of a time when, when I... I was a, uh, the CIO for an organization and I officed right across from the CFO. Uh, the CFO came to my office door, stepped across the hall with his, his phone in hand and said, Rob, I just got an email in a chain from the president of our organization. And I've been going back and forth with him on wire transfers. And this is not an abnormal thing. Uh, the president is asking me to do this this wire transfer and 
there are a couple things we need to do. I've told him about that. But Rob, he signed this email regards and a light bulb went off in his head in that moment. He realized the person he was communicating with is not the person he thought he was communicating with. And the only way he got to that place, the, the threat actor got to the place where there had been a half a dozen emails exchanged was by studying, okay, what was a normal cadence of communication? What did the, the CFO normally communicate with the president about? What was the discussion? Well, we were starting a new program. We need to send this money internationally to uh, buy the marketing materials for this thing that we're going to do. Uh, the only thing that triggered that CFO to come to me as a CIO and say, I'm just not 100% about this, was that signature that says regards, right? He, he never used, it was always thanks. It was always thank you, but regards. So it's things like that. Hackers will establish themselves and then read emails. What's normal? Do they say, hi, hope you're having a great day. Let's talk about this thing. Well, they'll use the normal language, the cadence. It's all about studying the organization, understanding how to then socially engineer their way into establish a deeper presence or carry out the bad thing, whatever that is. Thanks for going into a little bit more detail on that. I think it's important to understand how the threat is really a threat to the company. Um, and so based on based on some of those items that we've just discussed, let's review um, cybersecurity methods to counter the threats, right? So just to name a few, such as network security, data loss prevention, and, and um, end user education. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the different paths uh, that, that customers and companies can take to secure their companies and their data? Yeah, no, it, it's great to, to think about all of the facets or the places where, uh, you know, your, your data lives, your processes are, um, and what it takes to run your business. So when we think about this, let's, let's frame it with a, a few different categories, right? You've got critical infrastructure. These are your servers, your network routers, switches, firewalls, uh, intrusion detection and prevention system, right? All of these, and these are the things that, traditionally have been a part of every IT organization really since, golly, the late 80s, early 90s. I remember my first network I deployed had public IP addresses and I was so excited. I'm telling you about my gray hair here. I was so <laughs> excited to have Nat and Pat on a Cisco router that I could then, you know, do uh, address obfuscation, right? It, we iterated that from firewalls to, I deployed an IDS IPS, and then I integrated it, that into a security platform that I now know, you know, what user was accessing what protocol on what port and who they were communicating with. We've introduced a lot of tools in critical infrastructure, uh, the things, kind of the, the network rails on, on which the our business rides on. The, these are important things. It's important to invest in them. And honestly, a lot of this stuff has a three to five year life cycle. You have to replace and upgrade with the new technology in order to stay competitive, stay secure, and really have that holistic approach to network security and IT ops in, in your business. The thing that I think we're missing in a lot of organizations is not necessarily the greatest tools. We've done a great job buying the latest, greatest tools. What we haven't done a good job with is getting the people needed to watch those tools. So the tools are, are throwing out uh, yellow flags or in some cases, red flags. 
that say there's a bad thing happening, but we aren't taking the action we need because no one's watching that thing at two o'clock in the morning. And we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, I think. Uh, network security, uh, you, you've got to know who's on your network and what's happening. Go, let's go back to the IoT discussion. Uh, you know, there, I think it was last year, there was a, a breach that happened in a casino as a result of a temperature sensor in a fish tank. So the fish tank had a temperature sensor that said, uh, sent out about 100 kilobytes of data a day on average. Uh, here's the temperature of the water right now. It's sent to the fish tank management company. Uh, I wish I had one of those. That would be a cool job, right? But hey, the water temperature is this. The tropical fish are okay. The water temperature is this. The tropical fish are okay. Just little alerts. Well, at some point, that little temperature sensor that was on the network uh, started sending not 100 kilobytes a day, but 100 megabytes a day. And went, then it went to gigs a day. The thing is, this device was on the network. It was a MAC address that we knew about, and it was a, a wireless device that was attached, and we knew where it was talking to, but nobody monitored what was normal and then what was abnormal for that device. So when it started sending a large amount of data, there were no bells that went off because no one was, was watching that thing. We've got to have network security that understands what's normal for our organizations and then throws up a red flag to someone who is actually watching and can take action when a bad thing happens. Uh, we talk about application security. A lot of times the infrastructure team uh, and the DevOps team or the application team, they have conversations when somebody makes us have conversations with each other, right? Uh, well, we have the directory and the IAM, well, we've got the application, uh, whose is more important, and, but we've got to have a holistic cooperative approach to here's how we're going to classify data, here's how we're going to control the data with the application, and here's how we're going to leverage the infrastructure and the identity access management AAA services we have in our infrastructures to ensure that that whole picture of application data and security is handled appropriately. We've got, to, we've got to bring those things together and have a holistic approach. A lot of application folks, they're thinking about security, but bridging the gap to have the team work together will always deliver the best outcomes. Information security as a general term, uh, we talk a little bit about that. We're not just talking about an application or infrastructure. We're talking about data classification. Now the data is not just living on premise and the server, and it's not even just living in software as a service. Sometimes it's a database as a service that someone has deployed in the dev team that uh, somebody needs to keep some sort of finger on the pulse of what's happening with, with our information. Let's take that uh, information and let's think about that with the word security label on it, not just information systems or information technology, it's information we have to secure. And that, that's kind of a piece of DLP. You know, there's a lot of, been a lot of discussion over the past several years about CASBs, cloud access, security brokers. Uh, they're important for cloud visibility and understanding where information is, what applications your users are using in the cloud, but taking that next step to where is my data live, information security, okay, Information security needs to be married with cloud security and making sure we have all of these pieces of the puzzle working together to deliver better outcomes for the business. Uh, and part of this, obviously, or a big part of this, is end user training and awareness, right? 
I often talk to folks about end user training, end user education. I ask, so do you think your your people need security training or do you think they need security education? And everybody, a lot of folks want to say, oh, let's train the users, train the users. I would say we need to educate them. Let's rethink that. Have you ever thought about the difference between training and education? Do you want your ninth grader in high school going to sex training or sex education? I mean, this is it's an oddball question. We all know, you know, sex education is the thing we want because we want them to understand the risks. We want them to understand uh, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, uh, the threats. What are the threats? It's the same thing with training our users. You know, malware, ransomware are real things. They, they're entry points. We've got to change our culture so that we see our users as an asset and an invaluable uh, resource in our fight against cybercrime and cyber threats. That's such an interesting way to put it, um, training versus education, and it's an excellent point. So based on your experience in the security realm, do you think companies are prepared right now? What are you seeing out there? And if they're not prepared, what would you say some of the best next steps would be? Yeah, I, I, I talk to a lot of folks, right? Uh, and I, I, like I said, I did was 20 years uh, doing IT operations in you know, state and local education, higher education, healthcare, uh, and I have a lot of friends uh, all over uh, in, in IT operations. And I don't think we are prepared. And I think that the news bears this out, right? The, the threats are real. Uh, the way that, that the threats are being or the vulnerabilities can turn into threats, or it's different than anything I've ever seen before, anything anyone has ever seen before. We've got to be prepared. Uh, part of that preparation is bringing all those pieces of the puzzle together, information security, infrastructure, critical infrastructure, network security, application security, like we've kind of talked about, right? The biggest part of that, though, really has to do with you know, who's who's watching all of the, the things that I've deployed. Um, we've got best of breed firewalls. We bought the very best licenses we can for the best applications in the cloud for our users to perform their jobs wherever they're at. Uh, we're, but we're still having challenges. We're not as effective as we need to be with cybersecurity. What we've got to do is iterate our approach to cybersecurity and look for 24 hour day, seven days a week, SOC, Security Operations Center. Uh, and this, this is often cost prohibitive to a lot of organizations, right? You're talking about hiring 10, 12, 15 people when you start you iterate, okay, I need to, I got to put TVs on the wall. Yeah, I've got to build the, the cool room with all the dashboards so I can watch all of the things we've talked about mm -hmm. from infrastructure to application to cloud. Now I've got to have all the people to put eyes on glass on all of these things. And then I have to buy all the software and the tools they're going to need to monitor my all my infrastructure. You're talking about millions, literally millions of dollars that it takes to, to build a SOC. And this is just not realistic for small and medium size, even some larger organizations, right? It, it, they haven't done it because they can't afford to. We, we do the very best we can by the latest firewall, by the best uh, tool 
to help defend the network, the organization against these advanced persistent threats, malware, ransomware. Uh, we haven't really adopted end user uh, education the way we should in a general way, but we're, we're buying the very best tools. What we've got to do though, is get 24 seven eyes on glass, uh, have a, a security operations center watching all of these best of breeds tools because it doesn't matter if there's a red flag, if there's a bad thing uh, being alerted on by your firewall at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, if no one is prepared to take action. You've got to have expert guidance, understanding of what the next steps are, what the threat really is. And it's got to be not just log-based detection. You, you've got to understand, yeah, what's happening in the logs, but also what's flowing across your network. Um, the bad guys, I like to tell folks, the bad guys have two big goals. Number one, do the bad thing. They want to do something really bad, whether it's ransomware or establish a persistent threat to your organization or take down your business, the, the cyber crime. They want to do the bad thing. The second thing they want to do is stay out of your logs. They don't want you to detect who they are, what they're doing, what their actions are. So you've got to combine really the story of the story is broad visibility. You've got to combine what's happening with logs with what's happening in the cloud but also what's flowing across the network, because that will tell the real story of the threats and the reality of, of what's happening in, in your organization. Uh, those are all great points. And um, having a SOC service um, is definitely one of the uh, surest and quickest ways to get there is kind of my understanding. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, it, when we talk about tools and what it would take to build your own SOC. Uh, you know, I've been down the path of deploying a security incident and event management system. Uh, I, I think I've deployed six or seven uh, when I counted last uh, over the course of my career. I know what it takes and what it takes to get value or try to get value out of them. They're, I'm not saying they're not great tools. Don't hear me wrong. They're great tools but you have to tune and tweak and staff and train and retrain and retool in order to arrive at something that is actionable for the business. What you've got to have is something that on day one, you have mature SOC processes and a mature visibility into what's happening. Uh, and part of what Arctic Wolf does. Yep, yep. Um, and let me ask you this. Let's say that um, we, we have a, a customer or a company out there listening to us right now. They have some of the tools in place, but not everything maybe. And they, uh, they wake up tomorrow morning to find out um, that they have a problem. Maybe it's ransomware, malware, you know, what should their next step be? Yeah, well, <laughs> the next, next step will almost invariably uh, be contact legal. Uh, it, it's often not the incident response or the cyber insurance company or uh, someone to help me mitigate the threat. It's immediately contact legal because we're interested in finding out, okay, how is this going to impact my organization? So I, I think that that's, that's not a, you know, a bad place to have that very first conversation. But uh, outside of mitigating the threat and beginning to recover the business, you, you've some just basics. You've got to have two-factor authentication in place. 
Uh, I've heard that in the cyber insurance realm, uh, a lot of cyber insurance companies, while overall premiums are going up 40% or more, they will not even underwrite the policy without two-factor authentication. This is, this is real stuff. You've got to have two-factor authentication. You've got to have an immutable uh, copy of your backup, something that is offline, air-gapped, or immutable file system that stores that data in case of the bad thing. You know, a, a backup is kind of like, are you going to have a period or an exclamation point at the end of the paragraph that tells us your security story, right? So backups are always important, but let's start even earlier than that. Let's, let's get into the conversation around cybersecurity by saying, hey, I've got great firewalls. I've got great cloud tools. I've got great servers and systems that deliver real outcomes. They help my organization deliver on its mission. How can I secure using the tools I already have? I don't want to go buy all new tools. Right. I've already got great stuff. How can I operationalize and deliver security outcomes with what I already have? And the way that you do that is 24-7 SOC services. Yes, thank you, Rob. Rob, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I know we could spend so much uh, so much more time diving into all of the, uh, the specifics around this. 30 minutes is not a lot to talk about the major threats that we're seeing right now. Um, in the cybercrime arena, but I appreciate you joining us today and sharing your knowledge. Yeah, hey, it's my pleasure. Uh, my pleasure, Brandy. Thanks for having me. So that's all the time that we have. Thank you for joining us. To learn more on what threats you are facing and how you can counter them, reach out to me, Brandy Seymour at Pinnacle Business Systems. Thank you all, and thanks again, Rob. Thank you.